The digital age gives us more access to the private lives of others than ever before. Just think about it. If you wanted to know how someone was doing just 20 years ago, you didn't log on to a computer or pick up a cell phone and start swiping through their social media account. You had to call them, or even slower, write to them by snail mail. This also meant that it was unlikely that we would know when someone was struggling with a difficult decision, since there were fewer methods of communication. Talking in person lent itself more to this kind of discussion. One of the conversations that would come up both then and now is what to do about those gray area decisions. You've probably already discovered that you have to be really careful about gray area discussions. They can go from discussion to debate really fast. In fact, if you want to start an argument, pick a gray area. Thank you for joining Keep the Heart for today's podcast with Francie Taylor. Francie is an author, teacher, and conference speaker. Sharing lessons from the Word of God is her passion. Now, back to today's important study. What is a gray area? Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines it as an area or situation in which it is difficult to judge what is right and what is wrong. The Cambridge English Dictionary goes on to say that it is a situation that is not clear or where the rules are not known. Things that are not clearly addressed by rule or law fall into the gray area. In Christianity, gray areas would include things that are not discussed or addressed specifically in Scripture. Now, we're way too late to be the first ones to wrestle with gray area decisions. The Apostle Paul wrote about this in Romans chapter 14. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 5. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Now, the context of this verse was in regards to Christian liberty. Paul was teaching that we need to be more concerned with our own motives and conduct than with that of others. Unfortunately, we have too many cooks in our kitchens. When people are confusing unity with uniformity, they are bound to cross over into someone else's territory of decision. Expecting agreement over gray areas is unrealistic, but that hasn't stopped some people from dividing over issues where the Bible has not issued a mandate. What can we do with gray area decisions? How can we face them? Let's consider four things. These are suggestions that I hope will help. Number one, pray for wisdom. Sometimes it's harder to make a decision than to be told what to do. But you know we would soon grow tired of being told. God intended for us to use wisdom and discernment for making decisions. We make decisions every day, hundreds of times per day. Some are life-altering, while others qualify as small stuff. Gray area decisions are difficult enough, but when you add our personal preferences and motives, these situations become even harder to figure out. One great prayer request for gray areas is this, Lord, please help me not to harm the cause of Christ with my choice. What is the cause of Christ? The gospel. So will my choice in a gray area keep someone from becoming a believer? Or will it possibly harm those who already believe? 
It's important to remember that our choices have ripple effects. Just like when you throw that rock into the pond and the ripples radiate out in circles, our decisions and choices touch other people's lives. Pray for wisdom in choosing what to do. God wants us to come to him with our gray areas. He knows the way we should go and can easily guide a willing person. The catch is that we need to be willing to allow God to direct our steps. Otherwise, our prayers are really just methods of informing God of what we have already decided to do. That's not praying. That's telling. If we make up our minds without wisdom from God, we should at least be honest enough not to blame God when things go off the rails in our lives. James chapter 1, verse 5 reminds us that prayer is the way to seek the Lord for wisdom. Listen to the verse. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. God knows that we'll have times when we don't know what to do, and he has provided a solution. Pray. Ask God and he'll give generous wisdom to anyone who truly wants to walk in his ways. When we're trying to have our own way, we won't want to pray about it. But when we want God's best, we'll ask him. Gray areas are training tools in God's hands, helping us to remain yielded to him. Number two out of four, don't doubt God's ability to guide you. Sometimes we act as if life has finally handed us something so big and so hard that it would even stump God. It's impossible to stump God. But we tend to forget that God is not a mere man. Too often, we attribute our weaknesses to the almighty and all-powerful God as if he would have the same limitations that we have. God is not limited by anything in this world. If we're even imagining it quietly in our hearts, those doubts will hinder our trust in God. We all have to fight the fickle person living inside of us. Our sin nature is prone to doubt and double-mindedness, causing us to change our minds back and forth and round about until we're not sure what to do. This has been called analysis paralysis, but the Bible calls it wavering. It's a dance between indecision and doubt. This hesitancy says a lot about our lack of trust in God, and it actually feeds it. James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 really nail this condition to the wall. It says this, But let him ask of faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord." A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you've been tossed back and forth like a wave of the sea, it's time to ditch the double mind. Pray from a position of confidence in God. He knows the outcome of our decisions before we make them. Number three, seek godly counsel. Now be careful here. Asking lots of people is not the same as seeking godly counsel. Don't let too many people into your situation. You and your friends will not always agree on everything. In fact, if you were to take an opinion poll of your friends on a hot topic, it would be a miracle to have everyone in agreement. More commonly, there would be strongly held differences of opinion. In gray areas, this is normal and not a violation of Scripture. That doesn't stop some people from arguing. 
But we have to refresh our memories of what we see in Romans 14, verse 6. This verse tells us that he that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord he eateth not and giveth God thanks. Your gray area and my gray area do not have to have matching solutions. Here's a very minor example of something that hopefully won't ruffle any feathers. Here's a sample gray area. Should people have special events on Saturday nights when church is on Sunday morning? It's not addressed in scripture, so that qualifies as gray. But if your family says that's fine for us, then that's your decision unto the Lord. But if another family says, We go to bed early on Saturday nights so that we can be ready for worship and serve on Sunday. Then that's their decision unto the Lord. The key phrase in Romans 14.6 is that whatever we're doing or choosing not to do, it is unto the Lord. So then why are we sticking our noses in other people's gray areas? Because we want uniformity. It may make people feel good to know that other people are doing things the same way they're choosing to do them. But if we're talking about personal preferences and not biblical principles, uniformity is not required. God may allow someone to do something that is not a sin, but it would not work for you. Each person's choice in a gray area is their own, and each of us will give an account for our own choices and decisions. As it says in Romans 14:12, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Seeking godly counsel is a biblical way to gain additional insight into ways to face those gray areas. It's a guidance session, not a meeting with a dictator. Pray and prepare your questions wisely before seeking godly counsel, and then be prepared to listen more than you speak. Take notes. You'll need them as you go back to the Lord in prayer. A godly counselor will help you sort through your options, But the decision about the gray area is between you and God. And finally, number four, take all the time you need to decide. When it comes to gray areas, here are two helpful words to remember. Don't rush. Sometimes gray areas are small matters. But there are other times when the decision will impact more people than just you, making it even more important to handle the matter wisely. If you're not sure what to do, why would you add risk by hurrying into a decision that you may regret? When we rush a decision, we're forcing ourselves to operate without knowledge that God could give us if we would pause long enough to allow Him to lead. Proverbs 19.12 warns us about being hasty. It says this, Also that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good, and he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. We run a great risk of making major mistakes by rushing gray area decisions. Don't allow your emotions to hustle you down a highway that may not be God's way. Making a decision about gray areas becomes a lot less complicated when we'll remember that above all things, we want to be pleasing in God's sight. In a culture where conformity is its own religion, we have to be very cautious and check our motives regularly. The endorsement of our culture will never match the approval of God. When we're seeking to please the Lord in all that we do and say, 
our first concern is having a clear conscience with God. Does the gray area decision you're trying to make have a leaning? If the possible options trouble your soul, there's a reason. Take your time and search the scriptures. Ask the Lord to cause you to know the way wherein you should walk, as it says in Psalm 143, verse 8. We like things to be over and done with quickly, but when it comes to facing gray areas, this may be a luxury we can't afford. Proverbs 21.5 says that the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty only to want. Be diligent in seeking the Lord through prayer and his word. God can transform us by the renewing of our minds, leading us to live in a way that would magnify him and that would be best for us and our families. When we allow God time to direct us, we avoid creating new problems. Well, there are a lot of gray areas that we have to face, and people like to fuss about them these days, have you noticed? But we're not the first. The Pharisees turned gray areas into regulations, making life a burden rather than a blessing. We could easily become modern-day Pharisees by expecting people to handle their gray areas in the same manner that we choose to do. Instead of looking around to see what others are doing, we're better off handling the messes in our own yards. No matter what the gray area may be, living by the principle found in 1 Thessalonians 5.22 will serve as a safeguard in six words, abstain from all appearance of evil. A good closing verse to remind us to seek the Lord with our gray area decisions is found in Proverbs 28.5. Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. Seek the Lord. He'll help you to understand what to do with those gray areas. You've been listening to Francie Taylor. For more from Francie, visit keeptheheart.com for devotionals, books, and the popular Bible study series, I See You, In Christ Unconditionally. I See You is flexible by design and encourages users to develop the habit of daily Bible study. Visit keeptheheart.com today. Thank you for listening.